It's the random fandom, not only your number one destination for all things, well, some things geek-based, discussed by two best friends with the same name, but we are back on track for the 101st time. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Brandon. Hey. Hi. Hey. How are you? So this is episode 101, but it's sort of fair to say that it's kind of episode 104 because we our 100th episode was broken out into three parts. Yeah, so thank you for checking those all out. Um, definitely would recommend if you haven't yet, the last basically five years since we've been recording a retrospect. And now what can we look forward to in the next five years? We might be done with the Zack Snyder Justice League cut by then. I'm actually watching that right now. I'm two hours deep and it's astounding to me. I still have two hours to go. 16 hours to go, cool. Oh man. I'm on season three of Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I think there's like, I don't know, 18 seasons. Plus extra features. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll talk about that another time. What yeah. are we talking about today? What do the fine people, our, our, our randos, have to look forward to? Yeah, well, this is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while, but um, we've, for one reason or another, kind of pushed it off, not to mention it, 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 took, it took us a while to finish. But that is Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, and I think that's emblematic of the game itself. We didn't want to just, because what, the game came out December, early December, Mm -hmm. and the reviews were out right away, and you heard all the backlash and the the this and the that, and then, of course, its player database has fallen off drastically, and you hear a lot of negative stats, but we wanted to give it a nice, complex, thorough, thoughtful amount of time to have a a good retrospective review and discussion on it. Yeah. We want a knee-jerk reaction. And I can say, and I'll probably end up saying this again, having spent darn near 90 hours on my campaign, I feel pretty educated um, and dipped my toes in enough to have an honest, true opinion. Yeah, 90 hours, that's more than dipping your toes in. Oh, that's dipping other people's toes in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking on that analogy. I can't help but feel like there's something we should do first, though. Hmm. Well, we did get a fake sponsor. I don't know if you saw this come through, Brandon. Uh, you know, being sponsored is like the new positive reinforcement. It's the new affirmation in a digital online age. Yeah. So why yeah, we do our own fake sponsors because nobody's really willing to affirm us in real life. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a fake sponsor that came through fairly recently, Brandon, and I, I don't think you've seen this. So I'm hoping... Why don't you just uh, take it away and do a live read on this? Don't mind if I do. Yeah, I'm I'm finding out about this with our listeners in real time. Uh, Listeners, I want to tell you about, well, let me just, let me start by saying when the human body experiences extreme fear, the perception of threat activates the sympathetic nervous system and triggers an acute stress response that prepares the body to flee or to fight. It is in this moment where humans are able to push their bodies beyond their normal physical limits. That's true. That is why, thank you. That is why those that brought you the popular exercises such as confined yoga, llama boxing, mm-hmm. and anti-gravity turtle tapping. I love have created a, <laughs> They've created a whole new exercise called trauma size. Trauma size. Oh, I trauma size. Want to know more? Here yeah, we go. Please. 
want to shed those pounds and get your body in peak physical condition after 2020, who doesn't want to make 2021 their year? Am I right? You got to get rid of this COVID-19 that I've got on. I I put on COVID weight. Uh, We have trauma size at trauma size. We have a way to motivate you beyond anything you have ever experienced. Trauma size hires robbers, rapists, and murderers to surprise you with a fun game of cat and mouse to get your heart pumping. You never know which one of the motivational counselors could just be around the corner or when you're going to work, going to the grocery store, ironically, maybe even going to the gym, they might get you. They don't, <laughs> they don't know when they're going to start the chase and neither do you. That's half the fun. That sounds like fun. Are you an animal lover? They have a whole garage full of rabbit animals ready to give chase. Dogs, badgers, bucks, you name it. Trauma size even has an elderly cheetah if you want a real challenge. Oh man, so probably I don't thinking. know the elderly cheetah challenge. Uh, I don't think I'm there. I think I'll stick to badgers. Fair. Yeah. Uh, what happened, you might be thinking, what happens if a trauma size motivational counselor catches up to me? Well, oh, now you're in the next phase. Yeah, you're gonna be in the next phase. It's the fight phase. Mm. And we all know there's no better way to build up your endurance than fighting for your life against a 260 pound hairy hulk of a man with a machete. Mm, machete, I like the way you say machete. Thank you, uh, Danny Trejo would be proud. Does it sound scary? Well, don't worry. I thought going to a spin class would get, oh boy, my daughter's in the next room. Um, <laughs> I thought going to a spin class would get me herpes from the seat, but I did it anyways and I don't regret it despite now having herpes. Yeah. Life is full of surprises and full of trauma. Don't let it go to waste. Instead, let it trim your waste. Nice. Visit traumasize.com and enter the code HELP, HELP, I've been stabbed for a free consultation. Wow. Thank you so much to the fine people at Traumasize. That sounds like a great new exercise. I'm, I'm a little- Do you know how many, it, but- real talk, do you know how many ads, whether online or on TV, are now targeted towards, towards in-home exercising since, you know, last year and this year so it makes sense and you got to get those adrenal glands glands. (laughs) you have to get your adrenal glands pumping to really affect change so it's sounds like mind and body yeah yeah it's it's a real motivation uh thing yeah it's yes i'll just stick with that yeah yeah all right so there's a little bit of a laugh to start this recording now a little bit of seriousness Video games, we're talking specifically for the next 20-ish minutes about Cyberpunk 2077. Yes, I'm excited about this. But first, I do want to hear from you, Brandon, because so we both we both bought Cyberpunk. I well, had let me even uh, sharpen that stick a little bit. You we have an, an intertwined history with Cyberpunk. You bought me Cyberpunk for my birthday. Um, at the time, I did not have the Xbox Series X, so I was the first to download it, but you started playing it before I did, and you played it um, on the Series X. Yes, but so you, so I played it on the Series X, so my experience started from a much better starting point, right? I, I was on a platform that can actually run it. Yeah. You started on a platform... That they could not. And then that's why you were seeing fours and threes and people uh-huh. doing all the mass uh, returns and, and whatnot. And that's where the, the majority of the negative flat came from. And Cyberpunk, uh, excuse me, 
CD Projekt Red and Warner Brothers even, you know, tweeted about, hey, we shouldn't have released this on the now previous generation console. Yeah, they say that um, now that they made all their money back, even despite having all these returns and people being pissed off, they, sure. they still like made buco bucks and they were like, <laughs> we're sorry. And then they like wiped their tears with their $100 bills. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. When you had uh, given it to me, you gave it to me the Sunday before my birthday, which was on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Very very much remembering this. I ended up taking that day off of work just so I could install it because it was a huge install, especially with my internet at the time was just barely making it and then wanted to play it. I played it for about two hours and I'm not going to say, oh, this was unplayable, but I see what people were talking about. And then I thought, wait, why am I wasting this knowing that eventually I will get a Series X and it was just right around the corner thanks to, uh, you know, someone, you. And then, so I thought to myself, wait, I'm going to save this because it's pretty story heavy right at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, at least in its intro setup, uh, you know, the, the kind of feel for the, the game to come. So I thought, why am I wasting this? Or then I'm just going to have to replay it mm-hmm. either way. So I pretty much stopped. I did see just a quick little detour before we get into the meat of it. I did see the criticisms. There was a lot of floating cars. There was a lot of clipping. There was a lot of bugs. There was a lot of dialogue from other characters who weren't on screen, and yet their dialogue would show up on screen. That's not to say that was exclusively only on the previous generation of console, in this case, an Xbox uh, X. I saw still some problems uh, with the subsequent 80 plus hours I put into the game on the Xbox Series X, the newest, uh, fastest uh, console, but it was pretty brutal for that, just those few hours. It seems like it was night and day difference. Yes. Uh, graphically, biggest difference. I'm not even saying get in the gameplay that was a component, but it was so murky and just like muddy as far as the graphics. Everything just looked like, like it had a great tinge over it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. So that being said, what was your experience when you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to not even touch this game. You know, you, I played X amount of, minutes or hours or whatever you did on on the xbox one and you're like i'm not going to touch this game anymore i'm going to just start over on the series x when i get it exactly what was your experience on the series x way brighter Mm -hmm. just the color palette was way more full and just a much more visually pleasing experience no not nowhere near as much glitches no, but the glitches were pretty brutal. There was like three game-breaking glitches, and I'll get into those later, but they were all to the point where I had to manually go back through my saves and go way back before that became an issue. And to the point where I was like, is this game playable now? Mm-hmm. And there's ways I learned, whether my own you know, experimenting or just reading a message board online from people who experienced the same hiccups that I did and then what they did with it. Um, I had to basically trick the game into playing right at points. The other thing I noticed is the dialogue was way more synced up. There were times uh, just in the few hours that I played on the previous generation that it was like a, a bad Chuck E. Cheese dubbed animatronic machine, like to the point where it's just like, oh, this is bad. It's like self-sabotage. Um, 
And then the game, of course, was just uh, a lot more fluid as far as just, you know, watching the cityscape instead of it watching it buffer in, essentially. I was watching it, like, be have a full depth of field, which was really nice. Yeah, you know, so let's move on to that. Because I, um, well, let me say I totally agree with you on the way it, it, the way it looks on the new system. I, I didn't see it on the old system. All I saw it on was the new system. But it is one of the most gorgeous games that I have ever seen. It is yeah. incredibly bright and vibrant. And there is so much happening around you throughout the city at all times. It is one of the best games that I can think of where you really truly feel like you are immersed in that world. And yeah, to me, that dense world is, I mean, I don't want to say it's like the one big thing that is great about this game. Cause I think there are multiple, but I think that that dense world that they had built is so, um, it's so multi-layered and there's just so much to it that you can play, you, you know, you can put, 400 hours into that game and still not see most of what's there. You know, it, it, there's just so many things from back alleys to like um, being able to like later in the game, when you get an ability to say jump higher or further that you can then reach different rooftops and you see new things and you see the world from a different perspective. So when it all comes down to it, when I think about cyberpunk, the thing that I love most about it is how beautiful it was even in the slums like they just somehow made it so that you're just in awe of the sights and I, I i think that is something that's stands out in my mind and worth pointing out i i'm gonna take a little bit of a, a long-winded route to agree with you i felt like this game lacked strong characters especially your own character that you can custom create because then you very rarely get to see your character. Your character does not play out in cutscenes. It's all through the eyes POV. You can look at yourself in a mirror. Yes, well, the, the mirror is stupid, but what about photo mode? I didn't mess with that a whole lot. Oh, so oh I, I guess I, all, all the time. I guess I kind of left that out. Um, however, all that to say, and again, the, whether they're NPCs, well, everyone but you is an NPC, as it turns out, but whether they're secondary or primary tag along characters, I just, I did feel like this game lacked strong characters. Hmm. That is to say, I felt like the city itself was like the strongest character. The city was like the city was alive. It just felt like the city was something you would expect to see top of the credits when it came to cast. Night City was awesome. Night City was diverse. Night City was expansive. I really like Night City. I love like the, I'm going to forget the name, but like basically like the Japantown version of Nights or yeah. Night City's version of Japantown. I think it was called like, like Tokyo Square or something like that or San Fran Tokyo or something, right? Uh, you don't know exactly where you are, but it was awesome. Tokyo, that's from Big Hero 6, isn't it? Oh, whoops. Well, it was kind of Big Hero 6-ish in its own way. Everything's very digital everything's very interactive everything's always talking there's always some sort of sound there's always something like a visual billboard talking to you or an ad that talks to you or the, uh, like um the night 
night city news is always going on. Like yeah. when you're in an elevator, something's always happening or someone's always popping on your screen in a beautiful looking like hollow decks for lack of a better term. And just, I love the, I know it sounds weird, but I love the amount of neon in this game. <laughs> it just like it made it feel futuristic without um, feeling like, you know, Batman and Robin type futuristic. Like it, it was, it was like cyber blade runner. Like, yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought I thought the city was you see why this game for many reasons, but like that is case in point as to why this game was in development for like what seven or eight or ten years or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. That city must have been crazy. And it never really seemed to lose too much texture, even when you're going to like kind of the slums or like the badlands. Like it always had something just to catch your eye and didn't just seem like it was, you know, just film reels recycled with just a slight like here's a garbage can over here or here's this building's taller it, it felt like it was just always so distinct and I, I really liked it that to me it was the strength of the game the yeah. biggest strength of the game I, I agree and that's why I wanted to bring it up first I, I do want to touch on something that you said that sparked a memory for me I remember early in the game as I'm driving around and I, I recognized that this game is laid out in um, a seemingly kind of uh, more, how do I say, like a random fashion, the way a normal city would be, where, where um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the video game worlds out there are more kind of cut and paste, where you can, you'll see the same building over and over again, but with yeah. like maybe slightly different color or different things inside, but then you, you realize that you know, every house or business, it kind of uses the same structure of everything, right? This is totally the opposite. I felt like, and I'm sure there is a lot of copy and paste, but they did it in a way where you don't notice at all. And you would every, have to look for it almost. Yeah, every building, every part of the city, it all felt like it was created by somebody in a creative manner from scratch, and I, I maybe that's not the case, but that's what it felt like, right? Where you would, you would, um, you know, the the roads all weren't, you know, in a square pattern like a normal like San Francisco, and there was um, there was uh, buildings that were different heights and multiple stories, and fast food restaurants that all look different, and coffee shops and little Asian markets, and they everything flowed together in such a beautiful way. And on top of that, whenever you felt tired of this, the dense city, there was like the junkyard area, there were the desert area, like, um, God, and there's even an entire mission where you're scuba diving underwater. That's incredible in this game. That was cool. That was like a real showcase of what they can do. Yeah. And I just felt like they, they weren't, they didn't go the easy route to putting this game together. And I can imagine that that's one of the reasons that it is so hard for the game to process everything is because it is so dense and, um, and, and everything is unique. Every piece of the city, it seems so unique. And so that's a lot of processing power that I, it makes sense why the old systems just could not run it. Completely. Yeah. You can't fault them for lacking ambition. This game was ambitious and yes. I think, the, the biggest slice of the pie is of that 
get is credited to the map. Yep. Yep. Um, I kind of disagree with you on the characters though. I actually liked the characters. I think, I think V's character, the main character was pretty good. Um, I know you didn't like Jackie, the main, uh, one of, you know, the, one of the best friend, I guess, at the beginning you had mentioned. He's the first side character. Yeah. Or first uh, support character or sidekick, I should say. I, I yep. thought, I thought this game did pretty well with, though they're a little uh, sometimes fake and forced, but they did pretty well with the relationships between V, the main character, whether you're, you play as a man or a woman um, or something in between, because you can do that too in this game. But like your, your, your interests that you might have as far as like, building a relationship with somebody changes depending on that person's um, preference too. I just think that like the, the, the storytelling beyond the actual game itself um, really did a good job with the relationships. The one exception I would say is the Johnny Silverhand character to my surprise was one of the most dullest of all the characters. Very dull. Right. And you're always smoking and like, just being like, just such a badass with his words it was like okay he just felt like i mean there was times that's not to say every time he's on screen but there were times where i was just like you you bug me go away and i think that was sort of the point but i think it was almost to his detriment to the character's detriment that, that it took it took going all the way near to the end of the game to start to recognize that there's more of a human aspect to Johnny Silverhand because before that he's just he's a caricature of this badass rocker and it, and and it, it almost like with a lack of a personality I don't know that was is it just me or was there points in the game where it didn't sound like Keanu Reeves voice it felt like just like like they were just using his image and just with like a stand-in like, oh, we forgot to have him voice this part. Oh, just get Greg from next door. He'll, he sounds like Keanu Reeves. It, it, literally, there was points in the game. I'm like, I don't think that's Keanu Reeves anymore. Um, I don't know. I didn't notice that. But I mean, there was a lot of dialogue because he would just randomly show up sometimes, even in side missions, and just like give context to what's going on. He was more or less like a um, what's that freaking stupid uh, character from the Flintstones who. Like when they were at the end, he was like that space Martian would just show up, but he was only like in Fred's consciousness. No one else here. I don't know. I'm not making it up. Or maybe it was Jetsons. No, it was Flintstones. But it's like to the point where he's like the angel on your shoulder. So like only, you know, V can hear him. Hmm. And sometimes he actually has some insight. And other times I'm just like, stop talking. Like right. you're annoying. I did. Like I did not like the parts you play as him. I thought those were incredibly dull. Oh. Hmm. yeah because I, I had said there are no uh other playable characters but i forget you basically do the same thing but through Silverhand's body yeah um, whether real time or retrospect i didn't mind playing yeah. him. I, I did like how you can be going through a random part in the city that you think is not special at all and then suddenly johnny silverhand would show up and say something about what's happening and it makes me realize that there's probably dozens of those types of situations that I just didn't trigger, you yeah. know, because I didn't go to that particular alleyway or that particular balcony or something like that, um, that there are parts of the story that I just 
totally missed. And maybe even, and I know there are plenty of side missions that I didn't even play. And that's, yeah. that's saying a lot because I played a shit ton of side missions. I feel like this game is so full of content that it allows you to replay it, play things in a slightly different way and get different outcomes. Um, like your decisions trigger whether or not a mission will start or end or stop where you're at or continue going or, you know, I think all of that is really, really cool. And it makes the replayability um, a strong aspect of this game. Cause I'm, I can't wait to, to start it again, but I'm kind of waiting until I'm really hoping that they come out with an Xbox Series X and PS5 patch to, to whereas it's like even upgraded more. And so I'm kind of waiting for that. And then I want to, I want to give it a good replay. Let me ask you kind of dovetailing off something you said, you said side missions. That's always kind of, for me, been a measuring stick in the last five plus years of, uh, of games in a game like this, a sandbox game, a time sync game, do the side missions feel like side missions or do they actually um, contribute though not having game altering impact? My kind of gold medal example, you know, yes, I love this game, but Red Dead 2, the side missions never, not never, not to every single last little one, but by and large didn't feel like side missions. If you're not aware that it's a side mission, even if it is, that's the hallmark of it being really kind of creative and inventive. Another um, Rockstar does just good with side missions. I was going to say Grand Theft Auto V had fun side missions that didn't just scream, hey, this is just time filler. Whereas like a franchise like um, Assassin's Creed makes it feel really obvious in the last few ones I played that it's just clearly a side mission. It doesn't have anything impactful. I think the side missions are where a majority of the strength comes from because the, the story missions, the story itself, it, it, I think is good. I think it's really good. And I think the way that the mission structure is set up in a lot of those story-based missions are really unique. And um, they, they make the best out of the world that they've built, but it is ultimately fairly short. Like if you were to go and mainly do side missions, you'd be done in this, with this game in no time. Oh, it'd be like a 15 hour game. And, and yeah, and the side missions are where I think it really shines because you can do a side mission that can in itself take you four hours maybe. And, and, and it's, it, it's in depth, there's multiple steps to it. I'd also say, I love the fact that you can you, you have these side missions with these characters um, that you, you might go and it might be a string of two or three side missions uh, kind of at one time, but then that that character says, "Hey, thanks for the help." Blah blah blah. You know, hit me up tomorrow or later or whatever. And then you go away, and then um, you can go back to that character several hours later or days later if you're talking game time. And then it's it kind of continues on. It'd be like, "Hey, now that we stole that one." machine now here's the next step in this kind of longer storyline so it, it felt like um there are two types of side missions there were the side missions that almost in themselves are like story missions for your relationship with a particular character right. and then there are side missions that truly felt like they were just one-off side missions where yeah was, and they'll even label themselves as such someone needs you to steal this um 
remove this person. Those were a little more telegraphed. And I think that's actually good that they identified themselves as such. Whereas this is clearly a side mission. If you look at the, uh, the indicator or the legend on the map, but it's a question mark like, oh, what's, what is this? What is this to be? And then, yeah, there were some side missions. I'm like, how is this not part of the main story? This is like really right. intriguing. Did you, did you ever get into the one about the uh, mayoral candidate? Yeah. yeah. That was deep. That was some like freaking, um, whatchamacallit, like uh, the Manchurian candidate stuff. Like that was cool. I was like, this actually feels pretty major. But I'm like, but I like that they designate it as a side mission just for like something they don't hit you over the head with. Like, hey, if you want to know more about like some characters or what's going on in this city, like this is an invitation to stumble across it rather than just like, oh, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I, I appreciate that. I thought I thought the side missions were definitely a strength of this game too. Um, and it didn't feel like it didn't it didn't go to the standard fetch quest side missions that a lot of them go to or checkpoint. You know, uh, go take out all the bad guys and take over this building or anything. There were some of those. But they did all wrap them into a, a deeper story, I felt, for the most part. Every once in a while, it'd be like, hey, there's a cyber psycho on the loose. Go, go take care of him. And it, the way that the game made it, though, was that it allowed you to, it, it, it almost told you this is an important side mission that actually has um, consequences in the, the, the main storyline, for example, like, yeah you know the kind of endings you can get at the end they don't tell you that but they kind of like push you towards those types but then they're like yeah and then there's also these you know you'll get a text from somebody it says to go do this thing and don't worry super not important but if you want to pad the runtime on the game go for it and there and there was more of those than i could even count right like you, you look at the map where they're marked you're oh like my God, there's like three on this one street <laughs> it's ridiculous and so I loved that. It, it allowed the player to decide how much of the game they wanted to experience. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned like the text or then sometimes you would be driving by something that would trigger a prompt. Sometimes I felt like it got a little too hyperactive because mm-hmm. then I, I don't know if this is something that's real or I'm just imagining it. But like when I would go to a place while in pursuit of a different mission, it would trigger then that prompt and then that becomes my marker. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to do the other thing. And it became a little hyperactive at times. And then I'd get a text or a call or, or you know, you would just be driving by and a, a skirmish would break out. And I'd be like, Ugh. and I just felt like it, the game had ADD at certain times where I needed not to be. But ultimately, that's a good problem because I'd rather have too much to do than too little to do. I feel like I'm just driving around. Oh, I'm going to assault this person. And the chops, cops are going to chase me. And then I'm going to drive away and then wait for my wanted meter to go down and then get back into it. So criticism and praise kind of wrapped together there yeah no i get that yeah i mean red dead redemption 2 which is the complete opposite of that right like it is super slow uh it is it is one one situation at a time and this game is completely the opposite it's like hey we're gonna give you this mission and this mission but then while you're on the way you can stop and do these three things (laughs) and and it can seem like almost too much so it just but but at the same time that's sort of the theme of the game right from the get-go when you step outside of your apartment and you look around you realize that this world is non-stop there's ads everywhere there's people everywhere there's things happening because that the, the, the game is 
both in story and in the world and in the dialogue and in just the way that it makes you feel is like that you feel like you are in a really busy city in the future. And even in the mission structure, you know, where it's like, there's no rest. There's literally no rest until you get to where you are, say, out in the desert area. Then it, it, it feels different. Like you don't have as many missions. There's so much more wide open space. It definitely changes up at that point. Yeah. So I kind of like that. I, I, I thought it was nice, but. Um, I, I, I do want to promote a message of positivity because I do have generally positive feelings for this game. I wouldn't mind just naming some of my, my critiques. Yeah, please. Okay. Inventory management became a burden at points. I was just like, oh, I just picked up this gun. Then I got to get this scope and this mod. And then two seconds later, I'm picking up a gun that I'm trying to sell some guns to make some way. And I get that is part of this customizable experience. It was too much. It was too much of a hindrance to fluid gameplay. Like Resident Evil 4, for instance, great game. No one remembers or seems to just misremember how much inventory management. And then you'd have to pull up the screen, you know, and then it would stop your gameplay. And that was like a real problem at the end when I was trying to really customize. And there'd be times in this game where I'm just starting to fall in love with a weapon. I've spent all this time crafting it or creating it to the point where I want it or whatever, when you can upgrade it. And then something else comes along that I can just randomly pick up and it's way better. I'm like, oh, shit, that just made that kind of pointless. I didn't like the scopes. I know that's a small, weird little criticism, but I thought the scopes were really all frustrating and didn't give, at least on the, the rifles um yeah especially the sniper rifles it was shitty scopes on the sniper rifles so you got like two choices yep yeah i I know it's and that was and that's my gameplay i like to be more the silent distance killer like same thing in um freaking skyrim i was always an archer with you know damage amp rather than i was in melee so i i did feel like that was just didn't match up big deal um another criticism for me Again, these are not deal breakers. I really did enjoy this game. But another criticism is I just didn't feel connected to the story. I felt like, wait, what's going on here? I felt like so much vital information was explained to you in loading screens. Like we never got to meet the person who invented Night City or how this big Arasaka corporation came to power, really. It just, I felt like it just asked you to just take a lot at face value and not understand the motivations or the origins. Like who is V really? Oh, I'm just a legend just trying to prove my name in night city or something like that. It's like, man, that's just so generic. Like, you know, I'm, I'm looking to be made in this town. I want this town to remember me forever. It's like, how, why? Oh, you're V everyone knows V, but who is V? Like I never got in. I know I gr- granted in this case, she, cause I went female, uh, cause boobs are awesome. Um, so true. Yeah. But in that case, I just like, I just never felt connected to this character or the story as much as for, for a game that I put 90 hours into. And largely that was just running around collecting cars or going up landscapes or exploring. I just didn't feel connected to the story in a way that screams to me, this is an unforgettable game. Really? Huh? Yeah. I, I see that criticism, um, though I, I disagree when I, I think about, I don't think that the game should have to explain the world because 
um, it you're you're playing the life of somebody, and and they don't just 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 as if it's just a one person and their life in the city. I didn't think it was important to say uh, give you the history of Arasaka or something along those lines, or or the creator of the city or anything like that. Like because you're just a person in the world that already exists, and I do I I a little bit more understand the criticism about um, these like um, motivations to why she does all this, and I I think. I did at the same time think that it would have been better to kind of almost force her into this life, right? Where she's just a regular person who for some reason or another is caught up in something, but it did become, or the way they wrote it was, this is a person who wants to make something of herself because I played a female as well. Um, that's why I'm saying herself, but, and it did seem bland. So that I will give to you, but I didn't really care because there was so much more to take in. I didn't need them to give me more, if that makes any sense. Um, and I think I got to discuss this with you because we really have shelved off any real discussion specifically. So we're given, you know, our freshest, most authentic takes to each other on this recording. But I did share with you before, I the dialogue just didn't work for me largely. I just felt like it was like a 12 year old at points trying to write the most badass R-rated script. Like, you better pray to fuck that I don't have to come back here. I'm like, no one talks like that. Maybe in 2077 or 2077 they do. The the dialogue really wore on me at times. And it did seem a little forced. It forced, yeah. It just it felt disingenuous. Um, but we did learn some new words, right? There's a tomb, there's a eddies. Zero. Zeroed. Yeah, I do feel like calling people chum in my real life now. And then if they get the reference even better, I just felt the dialogue was a little juvenile at points. Yeah. No, I, I, I do like, let me say this though. Um, when it comes to that storytelling side of it, I do like how there are certain things that they don't directly, um, they don't directly tell you the history of something, but they kind of let you come to your own history. So when you'd mentioned Eddie's, Eddie's stands for Euro dollars, which means in the future, at some point, we get this more universal currency. Yeah, we're on the Euro. Well, no, it's not the Euro. And it's then shorted to Eddie's. And like, I thought that, because when they first started talking about Eddie's, and I was like, what is Eddie's? And then, and then I realized it was a Euro dollars. And I kind of thought, oh, that's pretty clever that they don't force force it on you that there's this history there, but you kind of recognize that there is a history within the economics of the world where some of the currency was put together and, and is completely changed. And so I thought that there are certain little little trickles of information that they gave that I, I appreciated they didn't force down your throat. Um, yeah. So the last thing that I want to talk about, because we, we've skated over the actual gameplay. You had mentioned the inventory, which I wholeheartedly agree i think that the i think that it was a great rpg but that they didn't handle some of the rpg elements correctly i think yeah. the i think the gunfighting was it, it took me a while to get used to because it felt different but once you get used to it it make it's it's nice it and it's it feels good but the yeah. 
but the RPG elements of um, some of the upgrades, it's really hard to understand if those upgrades are, are good or active or what they're doing or if yeah. they're accessible. There were, there were literally points with the cyberware where I did exactly what it said. I put it in the slot. I went to this Ripper doc and it just wouldn't work. I'm just like, cool. I just spent $40,000 on something that will not work. Like, yeah. And I'm going to be specific. Uh, that blood pump thing never once worked. I don't suppose depend on, depend on, you know, the class that you have, whether it's rare, epic or legendary, it's uh, with one push of a button with a 90 second cooldown, it can restore 40, 60 or 80% of your life. Just like, boom, never once worked. I went online, looked it up other people having problems with it. I'm like, that's just ultimately it's like, I can't experience what you've made. And even yeah. though it's a small fraction of what it, what the game offers, that was really frustrating. And some of the other things too, uh, when it came to the cyberware upgrades. And so like, yeah, that's not something you actively participate in. You don't have to aim a button in that regard. You know, it's not gameplay. So like you said, it's an RPG type element, like a healing spell, but when it just leaves you feeling like, what, it, what is it doing? Is this even working? That was frustrating. Yeah, there are certain upgrades where it's like when you're sneaking around, there's an upgrade to the point where you can then drop on top of somebody. Something like that is very concrete. That was not a good mechanic in that game, specifically. But it was, but it was a concrete, understandable upgrade that I have unlocked a new ability. It did not work that well. Well, but whereas a lot of the other upgrades, I kind of felt like, I, I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know if this... 2% increased difference is going to make that much difference. And um, it, so there's, there's a couple almost ways to too much. It was, it was almost too much. There's, there's what, five main traits that you can put. Oh yeah. You're talking about stealth, techno ability, body. You know, what sucks is, so when you look into each of those, it was more than halfway through my gameplay. I didn't realize that each one of those had an A and a B side. There's a whole secondary page of abilities. Did you even know that? Well, there's multiple tabs per, yeah. And in fact, I, and see, I didn't know that. So I was just like starting to max out like my, uh, my say my body, right? Right. And then just like, huh, there should be more. And then the game never pointed out, like there's a whole second page. And it, I literally had already been halfway through the total hours I played until I just really back alley stumbled into that. I was like, oh shit, here's a whole bunch of things. I did, sorry, I, not to divert, this is in, in line with what you mentioned. I was annoyed or just felt ultimately like, oh, well, that was kind of a miss with how many skills and options there are to go versus the point allotment. I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to even get half of what I want. And it's like, well, you can reset for this. I'm like, I don't want to reset. I've already built all this up. I just felt like the, the allotting of points for the amount of options was not what I wanted to be. I'm not saying it, I should have it all maxed out by, you know, 30 hours in, but it's, it was like impossible to strive for some of the things I wanted. Well, and that's sort of what I was going to say is that um, it made it really hard for you to pick one or two traits and really dive deep into one of those, right? Whereas you're, you're super, super stealthy or super strong or whatever. You can't open this door because you don't have the technical ability. It, right, right. It, it makes it, it makes it really hard to be, um, you know, part of being a video game, uh, or I'm sorry, a part of playing a video game is that feeling of that you are overpowered and you're awesome and can take out all these people. And the game certainly does get to that point. 
no matter almost what abilities you put in, you become a super badass that you can kind of get through anything. Um, but it didn't feel like you become like the master of, of any one trait because Jack of all trades, master of none. Yes. If you did become the master of one trait, then when you got to a door that was like, uh, you know, all you need is basic ass tech ability. And you're like, well, I didn't put my skills into that. So then you feel like there are walls that are blocked that, that you just can't get through. So you feel like you're missing something. So, so the game almost unintentionally or maybe intentionally but unintentionally rewards you for doing a jack of all trades um that because that is the only way to feel like you're not necessarily missing anything so yeah my next playthrough what i plan to do is to try to stock up on like two or three main skills right or skill trees i should say um the only one i maxed out because it was one through 20 and then of course all the little sub um, you know, perks inside of it. But the only one I maxed out was my um, crafting, whatever one crafting it was. I think crafting is its own tree. And then by the time I maxed it out, the game was almost already over because it took forever to grind up that. And then like I could craft legendary items, but then you have to craft legendary, or you have to have legendary components, which were so expensive. And I was just like, ah, screw it, it's not even worth it. Mm-hmm. All that in retrospect, I agree with you. I felt like the if you're looking at like two equal parts of the scale, right? Here's how this game is as far as gameplay, action, adventure, shoot, shooting, and then the RPG elements. One is clearly stronger and just handled better than the other. I I do feel like the RPG elements, though expansive and impressive, ultimately were just not on the level with the action and the gameplay itself from like a trigger, you know, finger, eye, reflex point of view. Uh, for the listeners, <laughs> Brandon was sitting there in front of, with his fingers in front of the camera, just wiggling them back and forth. As what do they call it? Hand-eye coordination. Uh, Finger-eye reflex also, in other words, but hand-eye coordination. Sure. Like, it was almost like you were trying to figure out how to do air quotes, but you only had one finger up that you were wiggling. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think we have talked a lot about cyberpunk. I think we've gone really in-depth. Uh, I think it's a good time to wrap up our review here. So overall, Brandon, give me a, 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 between a, a zero and a hundred, zero and ten. Excuse me. Give me a give me a score. Well, how about this? Between zero and ten, can I actually do zero and a hundred, and then just divide it by ten? Yeah, that's a good idea. That's that's so much more accurate. I understand the criticisms of this game, both on account of other people's experiences and my own. I did have my problems. There were some real issues with this game that like, like I said, required me to basically do a hard restart on the game, which were very frustrating. I really, there was about a solid month straight where every day after work or whenever that was my thing that I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to get home and, you know, play this mission or get this gun. Um, for more ex- I've had more experiences than what I was just able to share, but, you know, for the sake of keeping it rather brief, um, I really did like this game. I didn't think it was a game, a landmark game, though. I do look forward to playing it again sometime down the line. I want to let it breathe a little bit. I felt like the variety was a little lacking, too. Overall, 
I would give this a solid eight. It was a very good game. I'm not going to say excellent, certainly not perfect. It was a good game. Yeah, yeah. And I did enjoy it. Um, I, I have a hard time figuring out whether or not I want to rate this game based on the way the company uh, released it and their reactions to it and yeah. all of that or if I want to rate it on just my playing experience. And I think the important thing to do would be to just rate it on my playing experience. That seems fair. Yeah, because obviously I'm irritated at the company. I'm irritated at the the greedy decisions that they made that screwed over gamers. To me, Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that they, they had all the goodwill in the world and they had a really good game that lived up to the hype if they would have released it right, right? It, it, it would have disappointed people, but they, they could have said, we are so sorry, but we did not feel like we wanted to scale back this game um, because it wouldn't do the game justice. And so it really is a broken mess on the old consoles. So we truly do not want to release it on those old consoles. And we, and we know that's going to hurt our sales and we know that's going to piss, piss people off, but it'll be a better experience in the long run. I think that would have been a smarter, uh, you know, as far as like the way it was perceived, it would have been smarter for them to do. That being said, oh, that being said, I did play it on the new console and I did have a pretty smooth experience. I had, a, I had glitches and I had some game breaking glitches, but they didn't, totally ruined my experience because when I was playing, I was really enjoying it. All that said, I would put this game at a nine because it is so close to what I would call a perfect game um, that if they could fix some of the inventory issues, fix some of the glitches, it would be 9.5 or 10. I wonder down the line um, if this game through patches and a few little tweaks could be a better experience. I just don't know if I'm willing to put in the same amount of time with a fixed version of this game that I did the first playthrough. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to say disappointing. It certainly wasn't a disappointment. Obviously I wouldn't go back and spend that amount of time with something that ultimately I would consider a disappointment, but I still wanted more from this game somewhere. I don't exactly know. To say that about a a game that you just rated an eight. An eight is good. Like an eight is pretty darn good. So it's kind of an interesting, but, but then again, you're like, I felt like it had more potential that it sometimes couldn't live, live up to. That's fair. But it was very, very ambitious and it is hard to, to perfect all of the aspects that they decided to no one will ever fault them for having, you know, just a lack, a, a, a lack of ambition or vision yeah. for sure. Cool. Good review, Brandon. You too, bro. Ah, thanks. So what do we have coming up next? We're going to, uh, I think it's a good time to end this pod. Yeah. And let everyone know that our next podcast, our episode 102 will be a full WandaVision, spoiler full, WandaVision review. Yeah, it'll it'll have been enough time so that if you're geeks like us, you've already consumed it. And if not, just retroactively listen to it. There you go. Cool. Cool.
Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And thank you for being a fan of our fandom. Stay geeky. <laughs>